highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And he trusted the Lord. And, and I love this about David. You know, he didn't say, well, I don't really like that, that idea. Let's put the things back in the best two out of three. You know, he didn't, he didn't go about, about it, it that way. He trusted God, and he trusted God's priest who was with him, Abiathar. And David didn't argue. And it's good to inquire of the Lord. Wouldn't you agree? All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As we begin chapter 2 of 2 Samuel, we learn the key to success in David's life. With rare exceptions, David constantly inquired of the Lord. David wanted more than God's blessing on his plans. He wanted to be right in the middle of God's plan. Out of great discouragement and despair while Saul was pursuing him, he left the land of Israel and lived among the Philistines. Now that David was restored to the Lord, he wondered if it was time for him to go back to his homeland. So he did like all Christians should do before making any decision. And that's Inquire of the Lord. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Second Samuel. Two weeks ago we looked at chapter 1. And chapter 1 was really just a, um, really a dovetail, if you will, because uh, the last chapter of First Samuel really spoke of the death of Saul and his sons. And Second Samuel chapter 1 starts off with that same event, so we have kind of a dovetailing of events and some more information about what happened during Saul's death, and, and we understand, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, that an Amalekite man lost his life because he put Saul to death. Um, Saul was terminal, he was going to die because he had fallen on his sword and his armor bearer had done the same, but... He wasn't quite dead yet and in agony, and so he sees this Amalekite. The Amalekite finishes him off at Saul's request, and so he does. But in the meantime, David finds out about this. The Amalekite comes and says, you know, I finished, you know, told him the story and that he had finally killed Saul and took his crown and his uh, brace that he would have around his arm as, as the king. And David, uh, being such a, a wonderful man and such a loyal um, God-fearing man, he didn't take that like most people would. Most people would think that when somebody else vanquishes my enemy for me, then, you know, that's a really great thing. But David's heart was such that he did not delight in the death of Saul. Saul hated David, but I don't think David hated Saul. David just wanted to be left alone. And, um, and Saul was pursuing him because of his jealousy and because of his hatred for David. And, and we saw in chapter 1, 2, after David learned of the death of Saul and his sons, that David, including Jonathan, who was the best friend of David, he and David were like this. 
And what a unique friendship that was. You know, um, the Bible says, uh, it told us earlier that their friendship was, surpassed the love of women, meaning the love for a man for a woman. And, and it wasn't anything twisted like we might find in our culture today, which is very prevalent, unfortunately. No, there was no homosexual relationship between David and, 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 and Jonathan. They, they were just really great friends, and they loved each other. And, um, and so David, in chapter 1, he wrote a song or a, uh, a lamentation, really, of Saul and Jonathan specifically. And it's a really touching uh, song. You, you know, we looked at it last week, or the week before last. And so we're going to pick up there tonight in chapter 2. And let's just read the whole chapter, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some things. And then we're going to take communion this evening as well. But let's just read it. I'll read it to you. Just follow along with me so we can get the context of what's happening. So after this, after chapter 1 and what I just described to you, it says, And it happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there with and his why his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. And so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. And so David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I will also repay you this kindness, because you have done this thing. Now, therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead. And also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, the mood changes. Underline but Abner. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, he took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. And he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David, and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Now Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. And so they sat down, one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And then Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. So they arose and they went over by number, twelve from Benjamin, followers of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and twelve from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side. And so they fell down together. Therefore, the place is called the Field of Sharp Swords, which is in Gibeon. And so there was a very fierce battle that day. And Abner, the son of Israel, or the men, I'm sorry, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Now the three sons of Zeruiah were there. 
Joab, and Abishai, and Asahel. And Asahel was as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle. That's kind of an interesting description. And so Asahel pursued Abner, and in going, he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. And then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Asahel? And he said, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left, and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. And so Abner said again to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear, so that the spear came out of his back, and he fell down there and died on the spot. And so it was that as many as came to the place where Asahel fell down and died, they stood still. So Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner, and the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Ama, which is before Gia, by the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. And now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit, and they took their stand on top of a hill. And then Abner called out to Joab, and he said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you, do you not know that it shall be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be then until you tell your, the people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel any more, nor did they fight any more. And then Abner and his men went on all that night through the, through the plain, crossed over the Jordan, went through all the Bithran, and they came to Maenaim, and so Joab returned from pursuing Abner. And when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing David, of David's servants, nineteen men and Asahel. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men, three hundred and sixty men who died. Then they took up Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came and they came to Hebron at daybreak. And so we see this uh, really unfortunate uh, battle between David's men, because as Saul had died, certainly uh, Abner, who was Saul's commander of his army, he's, he's thinking, now that my master's dead, we, we want to continue our, our army, our grouping. And so Abner gets the bright idea now that Saul's sons are dead, the first three sons, we find out that they had a fourth son, and his name was Ishbosheth. And so Abner decides to make him king, which would make sense, because normally when people have a king and that king dies, his son takes his place. That's the normal way of things. But Abner was forgetting one thing, or maybe he was completely ignorant. I really don't know. But David had been anointed king at least 10 years prior to this, maybe even 15 years prior to this event that we're looking at tonight. And you remember that, uh, and we'll look at, we'll look at this, but, but uh, Abner was not aware of that that throne did not belong to Ishbosheth. It belonged to David. It belonged to David. And then we see David's nephew, Asahel dying in battle, and he's probably, he's listed last and probably the youngest, and so he's probably 
It says that he was fleet on foot like a wild gazelle. So he's probably a young guy, full of energy, very nimble, and thinking that he can somehow chase Abner, the seasoned war veteran, and think that he can take him down just because of his agility and his youth. And Abner knows better. And unfortunately, Asahel loses his life. And... Um, but that's not really, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot here, but the thing that I really want us to focus on tonight is really the fact that we can be patient, that we need to exhibit patience and faith in the promises of God. Faith and patience in the promises of God. And we're going to look more at that and develop that as we go Onward, But let's go back to verse 1 and take a look. Notice that it says in verse 1 that David inquired of the Lord, and saying, shall I go up to the cities of Judah? And the Lord said, go up. And he said, what city? And the Lord says, to Hebron. David was probably inquiring of the Lord by Urim and Thummim, these two rocks that the, the high priest would have inside his ephod, inside a little pouch, and certain questions would be asked, and the priests would pull in. And remember, Abiathar was with David at this time. Remember, his father, um, Ahimelech, and his other brothers at the city of Nob were killed by Doeg earlier in, in, um, when we were in First Samuel. And so he's probably inquiring the Lord by that method. And he trusted the Lord. And, and I love this about David. You know, he didn't say, well, I don't really like that, that idea. Let's put the things back in the best two out of three. You know, he didn't, he didn't go about, about it, it that way. He trusted God, and he trusted God's priest who was with him, Abiathar. And David didn't argue. And it's good to inquire of the Lord. Wouldn't you agree? It's good to inquire of, uh, inquire of the Lord. Are you inquiring? Are you continuing to inquire of the Lord? Or are you making your own plans and asking him to bless it? I've done that. And it doesn't work so well. And sometimes I get myself in a mess because I, I say I'm going to do something and I don't really inquire of the Lord. Lord, should I do this? Give me, you know, and give the Lord some time. Not that he needs time, but he needs, a, he needs to speak to us. And sometimes we're not ready to hear an answer. We're just so anxious and impetuous. We don't always stop and think. We don't always stop and pray. We don't always wait upon the Lord. And God is not obligated to bless what we put our hand to. This is why we need to be prayerful, right? The last time we hear of David inquiring of the Lord is back in chapter 30 of 1 Samuel. You'll remember in 1 Samuel 23, up until chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, there's no mention of David at all inquiring of the Lord. Because David, if you recall, was running from Saul and in the process of his running and in his fear, he was compromised, even making an alliance with the Philistine king, Achish, remember, and, and being confederate with him, even, even willing to go to war with the Philistines against David's own people. Just madness and lunacy. David, we know, this was not his best time in his life. This was the worst valley that I think, one of the worst valleys that David would have gotten in. But David, he, as he's running, you know, he's not inquiring. He's, 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 he's doing things that are very aberrant. They don't make a lot of sense. And it's not until right when they were going to, the Philistines were going to go to war against Israel. 
And, and that is the battle where Saul lost his life. And David was going to be part of the Philistine army and his men. They were going to be part of that Philistine army that was going to come against uh, Israel. And you remember what happened. Achish said, David, I love you and I want you to stay. And all the other Philistine lords says, we don't trust this guy. We know he's a Hebrew. We know that we're going to get in a battle with him. And then he's going to turn on us right in the middle of the battle. And so Achish, remember, told David, David, go back to Ziklag. And so David made that trek from the north, about 80 miles south, down to Ziklag. And you recall, by the time he got there, the Amalekites had already attacked Ziklag, where all these 400 men, including David, his two wives, all their kids, all their wives, and all their livestock, and everything was plundered by the Amalekites, who came up from the south of Ziklag and took them captive, and then went back. And, 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 And David then... It says in First um, Samuel 30, verse 7, it says, Then David, after this event occurred, and after everyone is heartbroken, because they don't know if they're, they're sons, their daughters, their wives, are they alive, are they dead, what's going on with them? They assumed that they had probably taken them captive. They were going to be slaves. And it says that David said to Abiathar the priest, this is First Samuel 30, verse 7, He said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And notice verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, and he says, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them. And not only that, without fail, recover all. And isn't it just like us? I I, I can so relate to David. It's not until my back is broken. It's not until my, my heart is broken when my plan has come unraveled and I find myself in a mess, then I cry out to the Lord. <laughs> we humans are something, aren't we? We don't reach out and ask God. When things are going well, that's the most dangerous time for us, Christian, because when things are going well, we never inquire of God, very rarely. We, we assume that we're in God's will because things are going well. Did you know that that's not necessarily the truth? Sometimes you could, things can be going well and your flesh can be so excited and so appeased and comfortable and coddled and feeling really good and even have an ice cream with it. And you're right in the middle of the devil's hands. Sometimes. Not all the time. Right? But David inquired of the Lord. When he finally came to his senses, all of his madness, he finally is like, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the Lord. Why, why did I forget you, Lord? I knew you were there all, you've helped me all this time, and here I am in this strait, and now I'm going to call out to you. And I love the fact that God didn't say, mm, I don't think so. You ignored me, David, for quite a while, and I'm just, I'm busy. You know, God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that, because he doesn't think like man thinks. Man thinks if you ignore a man, a man will ignore you. But when you ignore God and you come back to God, God's going, oh, great, let's start again. That's his loving kindness. That's, that's, that's agape love, which is so sparing today. Self-sacrificing. Always looking for the needs and the, 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 the blessing of others at the expense of self. So rejoicing, or I'm sorry, um, inquiring of the Lord is good. It's very good. Paul said to the Thessalonians in chapter 5, verse 16, he said, Rejoice always, and notice, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, pray without ceasing. 
In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Giving thanks for all things. And I want to be a thankful person. I've been given much, and you've probably been given much. Let's be thankful people. Amen. And David inquired of the Lord, and he said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron, or to Hebron. Now, Hebron was formerly called Kirjath Arba. Kirjath Arba literally means the city of Arba. Do you remember the giants, the Nephilim? Remember Goliath came from the giant? Well, this city of Hebron was formerly named Kirjath Arba, which means the city of Arba. And this was, he was the father of Anak, one of these giant, a giant race of people. And they were um, a real problem. And probably demon-possessed. They were a terror. They were a terror to all the people. And so this Hebron, if you were to look at a map of the Dead Sea and you were to go right in the middle of the Dead Sea and then go west about 18 miles, you'd run right into Hebron. It's about 18, I'm sorry, it's about 19 miles southwest of Jerusalem as well. And so verse 2, it says, David went up to Hebron and his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men also who were with him, every man with his household. And so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed king David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. Now, you might want to write some verses off to the side here, because... The men of Jabesh-Gilead and the tribe of Benjamin and, and Saul, they have a, an affinity. They have a connection. And without going into all that right now, I, I'd like for you to just write a few things down, and you'll see why the, the men of Jabesh-Gilead and the tribe of Benjamin, what, what was the connection between the two of them? Uh, just write down a couple things. First uh, Samuel chapter 11, and then Judges. Chapters 19 through 21, specifically 21. But those chapters, you look at those and you'll see, and start with the judges portion first because you'll see the history going backward, what had happened. And it'll make a lot of sense why there was this deep friendship, this deep camaraderie, if you will, between these two. So it says, verse 5, that David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And I love this about David's character, because he not only had great respect for the office of the king of Israel, he not only had great respect for that, for King Saul and his family, but he also had a great respect for the men of Jabesh-Gilead who had respect for Saul and his sons. And again, this man was an enemy to David, and yet David shows this kindness. You, you, you'll notice throughout what we've read, he, he didn't put his hand against Saul, ever. He never touched his sons. He didn't want anything to do with it. Even his men wanted to kill Saul at one point, and, 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 and David says, don't do it. Don't you lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Yes, he's hunting me. Yes, it would be nice to have him out of the picture, but don't you dare put your hand against whom God has anointed. David was patient. In God's promises. And that's really our theme tonight. We're going to develop that even further in a few minutes. But he had a great respect for these men. And what did the men of Jabesh Gilead do? You'll recall in 1 Samuel 31, the very last chapter of, of 1 Samuel, 
It says, and this is verse 8, it says, It happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain. This is after the battle where Saul and... I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.